0: For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Barnabas and Grayson entitled The Beast and the False Prophet. Mr. Grayson. Well, good afternoon, everyone. The Beast and the False Prophet from Revelation. 13. got up early this morning around 4 a.m. I think it's either the dog or the cat that woke me up and I just couldn't go back to sleep and so I had an opportunity to watch the dawn and uh, through sleepy eyes. and I thought of this it's uh, this saying I don't know where it originated, but it's, uh, the saying is it is always darkest before the dawn. but it was a beautiful morning and somehow I thought this might be an appropriate way to lead into the uh, message that I have this afternoon. In Revelation 13, the book of Revelation, there predicts a time when Christians, those who believe in Christ and follow his doctrine, are going to be regarded by, uh, as enemies uh, by the state. And unless they give in and renounce their faith in Christ, they will be arrested, charged, and some will be executed, and it will be led by a beast and a false prophet. Now, some may wonder, well, if that's the fate of a Christian, they might be discouraged from being one. And those who are Christian may think, well, uh, what have they gotten themselves into? We know life is a matter of making choices between good and between evil, and, and God knows how many how many wrong choices that we have made in life. But we know the scripture that says... Uh, We ought to obey God rather than man. But there will come a time of such strong delusion, such confusion, and such temptation that the right choice may not be as easy as it sounds. Here in the book of Revelation chapter 13, we see a prophecy of what's in store for the church That is, those who are called out and who are alive at that time, at the end of this age, this present cosmos, or this society. Some will be around at that time, and some of us won't. But then for sure we know that our children, and perhaps our children's children, uh, will live to see those days. Will live to see that time that is ahead. At one time, those scriptures... These scriptures that I'm about to read uh, did not seem very far off. And I was certain that they would be fulfilled in my lifetime. But whether or not they come to pass in my lifetime, in my remaining years, one thing for sure. And that is that whatever we see here in the book of Revelation is going to be fulfilled. I think that water down there is making noises. Now, the year uh, 2012, of course, that's, you know, the year we're in right now, and there are some who think that this is the uh, the end is going to come on December 21st, uh, 2012. But we know that the Bible tells us that there is going to be a sequence of events, a timetable that uh, must first fall into place, for it speaks of a uh, three and a half year reign of relative peace and prosperity under a political beast or a system that is to arise, And that also will be followed by a three and a half year uh, reign of great tribulation when another beast, a religious one, will rise up and cause the world to worship the first beast and then impose a mark to be set upon its followers. When you add those up, that amounts to seven years. And if it starts today, seven years from now would, would be 2018. You might want to double check that because I'm not very good at math. So surely we know that the world is not going to end in 2012. And however, that is not to say that calamitous times will not happen because we know that there uh, are, is wars, there's rumors of wars even going on now a lot of things could happen there could be diseases there could be earthquakes there could be other things that are going to bring threats to humankind today but we remember Jesus Christ saying that to all of those things that he talked about in Matthew 24 he's saying uh, but the end is not yet he just says that when you see all these things coming to pass just know that the end is near and that is you know the end of the age uh, of man's way now, we all see, and I know that I see, through a glass darkly in matters of prophecy, but today, uh, let's, we're, we'll look today uh, to see how this uh, first beast is going to come upon the scene. There are a lot of people who have various ideas about who this beast might be, uh, but we won't get into all that, and hopefully that isn't disappointing to some who would kind of like to, you know, at least have a few names uh, thrown out there and keep an eye on him. I haven't added up, Barnabas Grayson, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think I know how. And we'll get to that part about, you know, numbering uh, the name of the beast. But in Revelation chapter uh, 13, and we'll begin with verse 1. And this is John speaking, and he said, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads, uh, uh, the name of blasphemy. Second uh, Thessalonians uh, talks about this being the antichrist, and uh, we'll look at that passage a little later. And in verse two, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority, which, you know, those things are similar in uh, the, the description in Daniel chapter 7. And in verse 3, he said, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast you know these three verses a lot of history is wrapped up in this description and we come across a lot of symbolic language and so there's really only just so much that we can get you know out of these scriptures at this time but here in verse 1 John is describing this beast that he saw rise up out of the sea and you know we think well it's some some sea monster some look at this as this beast has already risen some think it has yet to rise and it probably could mean both because prophecy is dual in a lot of ways it's a forerunner to the future now our common belief is that uh, this beast, this political leader, this system is going to lead the European common market in a revival of the Holy Roman Empire this word beast comes from Strong's Concordance 2342 Therion, and it means a dangerous animal. Have you ever seen any dangerous animals? You know, a cat's not as dangerous as a leopard. So, we're looking at uh, a wild animal. And John describes it as having the features of these three uh, beasts of prey. The leopard, the bear, and the lion, uh, which symbolizes its character and its power and this, this, piece, this beast is mentioned at least uh, 12 more times here uh, in Revelation 7 heads, 10 horns, and 10 crowns uh, which make it uh, an even more uh, scary creature more of a, a beastly creature and it rose out of the sea that is, you know, from a vast multitude of people because the sea symbolizes people and this beast is a body with seven heads, and which implies a successive history in in its uh, being. Each of these heads, seven of them, has ten horns, ten crowns, to represent uh, the charge and the unity with other kingdoms. Horns symbolize power, crowns rulership. But one of the heads had a deadly wound that was healed. And it had re- So we see that it had received a death blow at some time, and it was revived. And so that was an amazing thing to the people, a wondrous thing to the people, because, as we will see later, that they began to worship this beast. And now we know that it was a sword that had caused the wound on this, uh, on this head. You know, a sword is used in battle verse 4 and they worshipped the dragon uh, from Revelation 20 we see that uh, that's referring to the ancient or the old uh, serpent who is the devil or Satan but he is one the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him so we see that it is, has military strength, it has weapons at its disposal perhaps and you know finances to finance whatever war they might want to do and in a way we see that the world will probably come a long way in where it says worshiping the devil including the beast and uh, or this beast could represent a system of government and some may not even know that it is the devil that they're working, the one that is, you know, pulling the strings. In verse 5, and there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. Uh, you know, you've heard some charismatic people who, who, you know, give great speeches and they punctuate it with a lot of bravado and, and blasphemies which is, you know, irreverent talk about God or, or sacred things. Of course, he is the Antichrist. He is against God. He is against uh, Christianity and all the things that are represented by the faith, our faith. And power was given unto him to continue in that vein, you know, 42 months, three and a half years to do his thing. Uh, Some have written that, well, this was probably Nero back in ancient Rome or Rome itself or even Hitler. Verse six, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. You know, that is the just talking uh, against God's reputation, his holiness, his authority, his being and his tabernacle. You know, his habitation and them that dwell in heaven. You know that's all the host of angels that that are there, and you know although some people believe that there are really people, uh, human beings are in heaven, and its habitation, you know the t- uh, tabernacle, uh, the temple we know is supposed to be uh, one of those things that uh, is going to be built in the last days. So we have these markers, we have these signposts along the way that is going to you know, make us more aware of the times that we live in and when those, that future time comes and uh, we'll be able to watch those things that develop. Verse uh, 7, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So when he starts that kind of talk, you know, he backs it up with action against Christians. And all that dwell upon uh, uh, the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And we know the reason for that would be because if you're studying the scriptures, you're not going to easily fall for any deception or fall for this beast that is to come and you'll be watching and praying along the way when you start to read the book of revelation in chapter 1 you see the scripture where it says that Blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand so we need to know even, even if those times do not come upon some of us. Verse 9, if any man have an ear, let him hear. This expression means, you know, one must pay attention. One must heed the, the words that they hear and do the things that they need to do. Verse 10, he that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword the New International Version puts uh, that phrase, that scripture this way. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. And the scripture ends with, here is the patience and faith of the saints. So here's where one must endure and have hope and hold on because it will be a time of uncertainty, time of not knowing what might happen from one day to the next. Then we see that John sees another beast. Verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwells therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he, and that's this this uh, uh, beast, this second beast, does great wonders, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Uh, this fire could be translated as lightning, and you know you can use your imagination as to what spectacular event that might be. Verse fourteen, and deceives them that dwells on the earth. By the means of those miracles, those things that, you know, are are out of the ordinary, those things that, you know, people don't, uh, can't uh, put their finger on or look at as possible. These are miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So, this beast has religious influence going also for it. And you know, people like to believe in the supernatural. They like to believe in things that are beyond the realm of possibility and, and all of that. But he, he is the false prophet. Uh, Revelation 16 and, and other places there describe him as the false prophet. And so we see an occult like uh, institution. And you know, it would seem that. Uh, such influence knowing that Satan was behind it would naturally turn people away but here we see that most if not all were drawn uh, in by the first beast and the second beast is glorifying him even farther 15 verse 15 and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should be Speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed what you know what is meant by this word here this this image Strong's uh, concordance gives it 1504 the number and it uh, defines it as a likeness a statue a representation or resemblance so we see it as a really a non-living object, an inanimate object, it might be metal, it might be stone, it might be uh, plastic, it may be a holistic image. But the second beast, this false prophet, will animate it so that it speaks with authority. And verse 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. What is this mark? Strong's 5480. It's karagna meaning primarily a scratch or etching like a stamp or a badge, a visible thing like perhaps a tattoo placed into their right hand or into their forehead. Uh, maybe they have a choice. I don't know. And, but some say it might even be a barcode or even something that represents Sunday worship or the symbol of, of Baal. So what's the purpose of this mark? Verse 17. That no man might buy or sell save he or except he that had the mark or or, or the name of the beast or the number of of the, of his name that's referring to you know the first beast who had this deadly wound and was uh, healed the beast the first beast is going to be a very popular uh, system or uh, individual and only those who give their allegiance to this beast can live in the society that is to come in the age uh, when this takes place now Verse 18, here is wisdom. Uh, this wisdom uh, is 4678, and it defines it as being both a worldly and secular, and uh, worldly and spiritual uh, thing, but also to be done with careful thought. Here's wisdom Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 600, score and 6 six you know six 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 so but the name to this present time is a mystery maybe some of you know maybe some of you know can add it all up but it says to uh, let him who has understanding who knows how to figure those numbers there's a lot of speculation and it's going to depend on how uh, one figures the number in the language that is used it could be Hebrew it could be Greek it could be Latin It could even be Chaldean, which assigns uh, numbers to the English letter, just as the Pythagorean system does. Uh, But when the time comes, we will know. Those with understanding will make it known to the rest of us. So the time that is ahead is really going to have trials. A time of darkness before the light. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. verse 7 and there was war in heaven there was war in heaven some have identified this as you know the real star wars Michael and his angels fought against the dragon they fought against that ancient serpent that uh, Satan and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we sometimes wonder, well, why do we have all of these problems on earth? Why are things so bad happening, you know, in in our surroundings? You look over at, at some of the things that are occurring over in Syria. I happened to see uh, uh, one of the, uh, uh, where a father had, uh, was laying beside his, uh, looked like about a two, three-year-old baby. The baby looked just like he was asleep, but it was dead, and he was talking to the baby saying, I will avenge your death, and then he said, my baby, my baby, uh, what wrong did you do? And so things like that are going on, and we see a lot of deception that's going uh, going on in politics in economics, and economics and all of that and we'll see why in here just a little bit and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven you know after uh, Satan was cast out and his, his demons were cast out and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our gods and the power of his Christ, you know, the Savior, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. But they overcame him, verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the, unto the death. You know, Satan has always attacked the people of God, the believers in God. And he accused the brethren of their sins all the time. And Satan may have tried to, been trying to do this just to justify his own sins. But Satan was rebellious. And he didn't want to serve God. He didn't want to serve Christ. He didn't want to be on the lower rung of, of the ladder, so to speak. In verse 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child and to the woman were given two wings of a great Eagle that she might fly into the wilderness and her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent and to, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. This flood could be, uh, you know, of soldiers that are, uh, after them like waves and in verse 16 but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth which you know the dragon by his command sent this flood after the church and you know that happened to Korah and his his rebellion in the Old Testament so it's no big wonder that uh, you know that it wouldn't happen again in some ways verse 17 and the dragon was wroth he was angry with the saints with the woman and he went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of god and have the testimony of jesus christ because this remnant knows the way they know what they're in what life is all about they know what they must do to maintain their faith and their hold on eternal life so they have the testimony of christ that keeps them going, and and keeping the commandments. So there's going to be, there will be, among all that is to come, uh, among the saints, hope there's going to be salvation, just as it came to those in the early years of the Christian faith, when Satan was really trying to do away with the church. When you read about church history, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and all those that, that uh, died because uh, they would rather uh, uh, not have change their faith. So those in the book of life are going to find salvation. They're going to find both physical and spiritual. Because when you read about these things, the beast and the false prophet and all those things that are ahead, for some it's kind of like a scary story. And it's like, well, you know, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? Let's go to Isaiah now, chapter 33. Because we know that there is hope beyond what we read from the book of Revelation, even though there are some things that are scary, there are some things that are going to boggle the mind. In Isaiah 33, verse 15, He that walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppressions, that shakes his hands from holding of bribes, that stops his ears from hearing of blood and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be sure. Just like uh, God gave the woman the wings of a great eagle or wings of some sort of uh, whatever imaginary flying thing you might want to imagine. But he says verse... uh, Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. So, you know, food and water is going to be provided. Your eyes shall see the king in his beauty. And that's what, you know, that's what we look forward to. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Uh, Your heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counts the towers? Uh, The NIV... uh, Uh, Translate that scripture, those uh, scriptures there. It says, in your thoughts, you will ponder the former terror. Where is that chief officer? Where is the one who took the revenue? Where is the officer in charge of the gates? Verse 19, from the NIV, you will see these arrogant people no more. Those people of an obscure speech with their strange, incomprehensible tongue. Verse 20, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. Your eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation. You know, that's when peace starts, uh, starts to spread. A tabernacle that shall not be taken down, not one of the stakes thereof shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, Wherein shall no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from, the time, from this time forth, even forevermore. So we see that our God, our Lord, our Savior will protect us in those times of coming national crisis. As long as we remain faithful to his call and to his will. Let's go to Psalm, back to Psalm 91. And I'll have some of this ice water, because I saw David said so he's bringing it up for me, Lawrence. <laughs> I don't know what he's in now. Maybe I should cool down or something now. <clears throat> but excuse me, while I imbibe of this. Psalm 91, uh, verse one. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers. Does God have feathers? And under His wings uh, shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that waits at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made uh, the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. There shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all his ways. That's those feathers, that's those wings. So in the time ahead and who knows when, Christians, the people of God, will be regarded as enemies Of the state, a threat to whatever and whenever or whoever that uh, new world order that some talk about comes in. Isaiah uh, 30 says God in His promises, verse 29 You shall have a song as in the night when a holy solemnity is kept and gladness of heart as when one goes with a pipe to come into the mountains, mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard and shall show the lightning down of his arm with the indignation of his anger and with the flame of a devouring fire with scattering and tempests and hailstones. For through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down which smote with a rod. So we have these promises that God is going to see us through, and we just remain faithful to Jesus Christ and keep His commandments and do those things that you know we need to do, in spite of the adversity and the temptation or the confusion that is to come in the future, even today. Matthew twenty-five. Now, I have just a few more. Matthew 25, verse 1, "...then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps." And they were prudent. They were, they, it's like in Proverbs where it says, uh, "...consider the ant." You know, the ant is always working. It's always trailing off to faraway places and bringing uh, food stores back to its nest. Looking ahead, preparing, storing. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. So this this message, you know, is something that is going to be to us. Go you out to meet him. Behold, the bridegroom comes. You know, as I mentioned earlier, midnight they say is the darkest hour. And if we look at this in Matthew twenty five, you know, we can we can say, well, this is uh, at such a time Christ is going to return. But when we read in the book of Joel about those days of clouds and gloominess, how there's just going to be a hovering of uh, dark clouds over the, overhead, it's going to be like night. But in the middle of the darkness, this glorious bright appearing will come, and he will appear as the sun shining in all its strength, and there will be signs and wonders uh tonight tomorrow night you know when when you look toward the west there you know you'll see the moon and you'll see venus and you'll see jupiter in, in a rare uh lining up and december 21st it comes you know there are the other planets will be lining up also so you, you, these signs and these wonders will even be more uh wondrous in in the future and in verse 7 uh, then all those virgins ro- arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut afterwards afterward came also the other virgin saying Lord Lord open to us but he answered and said verily truly I say unto you I know ye not and then to us watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the son of man comes go to 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 This will be the final reference that I will make this afternoon. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read from the uh, New International Version, beginning with verse 3. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who now holds it will, holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, and destroy by the splendor of his coming. I rarely get to see the you know uh, dawn. My wife gets up before me, Carolyn. She's up, madam, and. Uh, I don't ever see much of the sun coming up but this morning I had a chance to see that it was very, very beautiful it gave me some you know, deep thoughts to ponder because as you look to the east you know the sun is rising there and we know that Christ is going to come out of the east to resurrect the saints where was I? verse 9 okay alrighty the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles signs and wonders. How did he do that? You know? How did he do that miracle? What are these signs? And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing and they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. But we all ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because in the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Uh, you know, at one time in our past, you know, we... Uh, we were full of sin, we repented after we acknowledged those sins, turned turned toward Christ and his, his shed blood. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse fifteen so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word. Of mouth or by letter, and may our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. So verse seventeen, encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good deed and, and work. Don't grow weary, you no know, keep up the good work, and that's God's work. And the darkness will turn into noonday bright.